Welcome to episode 103 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Dr. Wendy Trubo, MD, is a functional medicine gynecologist practicing functional medicine since 2009. There are so many different challenges in a woman's life, work, home, relationships, spirituality, health, and they all matter. While her credentials allow her to a solid medical backdrop to help women achieve vitality. Her own health journey has also inspired and supported her methods of care. Through her struggles with mold and metal toxicity, celiac disease and a variety of other health issues, Dr. Trubo has developed a deep sense of compassion for what her patients are facing. She co-authored the book Dirty Girl, Ditch the Toxins, Look Great and Feel Freaking Amazing which became an Amazon bestseller in five categories in the first 24 hours of publication. Women's health is intricately connected to detoxification and this is a missing link in conventional medicine. When the detox pathways are congested or when a woman's Level of toxicity is high, it burdens her body contributing to hormonal imbalance and estrogen dominant conditions such as fibroids, PCOS and cancer. Dr. Trubo walks us beautifully through understanding sources of toxicity symptoms that we have when we have high levels of toxicity, how it impacts hormones and sleep and what can we do to improve our detoxification. This is one more powerful episode on women's health. The conversations on the Sleep Whisperer podcast are in-depth with a focus on helping you to begin your health journey even if you cannot invest in a practitioner. There are several safe interventions which you can choose to add to your life and watch your health shift towards vibrancy and radiance. If you missed any of the other episodes on women's health, make sure that you go back and take a listen so that you can get much deeper guidance on supporting your hormones and your sleep. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, Author and you and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dr. Wendy Trubo, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast and um I'm always 
curious about the subject of detoxification, which I truly believe is a missing link in healthcare in many areas. While it is um, prevalent and known in functional medicine circles and Ayurveda, it's really not known as much and a lot of times people are trying to throw in supplements medication so many things on top of challenges which are already pre-existing and then i truly believe that that detoxification is that lost link so um and i love the title of your new book dirty girl because that has so many interesting connotations to it and is so attractive as well and i'm sure a lot of women are going to resonate with this episode where we're speaking specifically into detoxification and how it might play into hormones and women's health uh, and that's a big one in itself i'm sure we can discuss so much in that area but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What brought you? Are you specifically into the area of women's health or is it detoxification? What brought you into this area of passion? That's such a great question. I love that. So I got into functional medicine because I was a patient and I felt like the difference it made for me was so profound that I then wanted to bring that to my other patients, to my patients. And so I started learning it and then went into functional medicine exclusively. I started out in training as an OBGYN. So I've always cared exclusively for women. That was, that's always been my passion play to, to inspire and empower women to help them lead healthier lives, more vibrant lives. And then and then I got into this functional medicine and got diagnosed with celiac and started healing my gut, did all that work. And then in, I think it was 2019, I had a number of, 2018, I had a number of toxic exposures that I only recognized in retrospect. And then I, in 2019, I recognized the consequences of them and really went off the cliff health-wise and did all this testing on myself. I had kind of looked before and said, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not that much except what you'll often find when you look at toxins is that the, the testing only shows the tip of the iceberg when your detox is as locked down as mine was. And so I kind of blew off the first results and then really, really had these exposures and started to get very ill and said, okay, there's got to be more here. And so I, treat, I noticed an increase over time and started to treat and then, of course, because it was the tip of the iceberg, what I found was that it was much, much greater than what I thought. And then I said to my husband, I am such a dirty girl. And then I said, <laughs> oh, well, we got to write that book because we live so clean and yet we're exposed to so many things and it throws off everything head to toe, especially for women. I think that's such a valid point you made about, um, you know, we are, I mean, we really don't know what are we exposed to, but let's begin with, um, in the context of women's health and dirty girls, uh, uh, what are the toxic exposures that one might be missing? 
Um, and I know mm. I just want to mention there was a client who came to me for women's health and for the longest shirt, she did everything possible. And it was five months into the program where we realized that she hadn't mentioned that she was coloring her hair every week with these chemical hair colors. And the moment she pulled that mm. out, everything started to make better sense. And then the mm. shift in the hormones was miraculous. Uh, so let's talk first about what are these toxins are they only uh, sources from outside what we call exogenous toxins are they also toxins within our body where are the missing links yes there's tons of them so i think it's easier to break it down by category like you just started to do so there's things you're exposed to because you put them in your body so foods that are contaminated with herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, foods that are contaminated with heavy metals. A lot of we're in the United States and a lot of food comes from California and California has a lot of thallium in the soil. That's a heavy metal. And so things that you're putting in your body are, are things a lot of us either are or used to be addicted to single use plastic water bottles. So all of those have endocrine disruptors, which flow through into your periods, your fertility, your hair, your thyroid, all of that. And so those are the things you put in your body. And then the things as women, all those products that we put on our body. So the beauty products, the hair wash, the dyes, nail polish, anything that we use for beauty is a potential source of an endocrine disruptor. And, and it's been estimated that women are exposed to anywhere from 150 to 200 products before they leave the house in the morning, which is crazy. Then the next category is what you're putting your body on. So there's a lot of flame retardants and chemicals in furniture and they off gas. And so those can be endocrine disruptors things that you clean your house with, perfumes, all of these things increase the toxic burden on the body. And then there's like the next part. If you grew up in the seventies or eighties, like I did, we had mercury fillings. And so I have mercury fillings that I'm about to get taken out because they're a source of just ongoing mercury exposure, which is a heavy metal. If anyone grew up in the seventies or eighties, again, you got exposed to lead paint because even though most of us weren't chewing on the windowsills, it's still in the house. And as the house settles, those corners get ground and the, the lead paint gets dusted. And then we breathe it in, we touch it, we inhale it, we, we eat it. So there's that. And then you alluded to something really powerful, which is when the liver gets bogged down and it can't deal with all the toxins that it's exposed to, and we haven't even gotten into all the things that we have, like plastics, we haven't talked about those and the things we put our food in, set that to the side. When the liver gets bogged down, then it can't properly process the hormones. And glyphosate, which is the most commonly used herbicide in the world, disrupts the microbiome. So now the gut's disrupted. And because we put all of our hormones into our gut to get rid of them, it's not able to properly do its job. So we can potentially recycle hormones, which makes our estrogen levels toxic, which throws off our risk for fibroids and estrogen dependent cancer. So it all starts to rat wheel down, you know, we're on the rat wheel, we can't get off. And I think I must also add Dr. T that 
Um, when you spoke about estrogen becoming toxic and then there's low progesterone, and these are all huge factors in insomnia and poor yep. sleep, and it's a bi-directional axis where if you're not sleeping, it's going to make you more toxic, more incapable of cleaning out your liver. I mean, there's so many intersections, and I wanted to mention that in case someone was wondering where are we talking about sleep when we're talking about toxicity, and it plays such a big role in sleep. Um, but yeah, you made a great list, and I know that you'll also probably share some free guide on your website where people can go and look at more details about these uh, toxic sources. So we can come to that later. But um, let, what are the typical symptoms that a woman experiences when she's probably, I mean, you described your journey where you were a dirty girl, and I'm sure there are yep. plenty of us. I've been there because you mentioned lead paint. And when I was 10 years old, I used to paint a lot with oil paints and Mm -hmm. No one understood why I, my body was covered in articaria and eczema and mm -hmm. I was always so bubbly and angry and I mean it I would be waiting to erupt at any moment and these are all emotions associated with the toxic liver mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so let's talk about what the, those symptoms look like and do even young girls experience this is it only women who've already started to be fertile. No, so this is so great. And, and I think you really highlighted it, that anything that you're suffering from can track back to imbalances and imbalances can often track back to toxins. It's not the first thing that I look at for everyone, but there are people who I go, oh, I really think you have a toxins issue. So let's talk about those people. So when the system, I, when the body, which is this amazing system is out of balance, women get symptoms and men, but I only treat women. So let's talk to women. So go head to toe. So you can start losing your hair. You can have brain fog, difficulty remembering, concentration issues, sleep issues, thyroid issues, anything in the endocrine system. So that's your thyroid, your adrenals, your ovaries, your testes, if you're a man, anything in that. And then that trickles into anything that happens with your periods and with reproduction. So you can have infertility with toxins, you can have gut dysfunction because the, the gut gets thrown off and then it can't find its footing because it's continually exposed to things that throw it off. And then you can have weight gain, so difficulty losing weight or difficulty gaining weight. You can also have wasting. You can have joint pain. You can have osteoporosis or osteopenia, loss of bone. You can have bad nails. You can have bad teeth. There's kind of no, you can have high cholesterol, High, high blood pressure, there's really no end of things that can track back to toxins. But specifically for around sleep, the best way to think of this is the system's out of balance. And when the system's out of balance, you're going to have your Achilles heel manifest. And if your Achilles heel is sleep, that's what's going to get thrown off the cliff and then layer on the different points of life. Now, I just want to make sure you asked a question. Is it only women who were exposed in the 70s and 80s? Absolutely not. Because one, those are specific for certain heavy metals, but those women who reproduced 
because pregnancy and specifically nursing isn't a detox event, those women, if they nursed, so generously gave those things to their babies. So those babies ingested it. Yeah. So no, it's not just for women who are on the older spectrum. It's all women at this point. And I'm, I must ask you this, Dr. T, because there's so much mental health symptoms around the world today with women. So I'm assuming that even anxiety, depression, yeah. these are all uh, linked to toxicity as well, because uh, there's so many things going on with progesterone and GABA. And it, am I right in assuming this? Yeah, 100%. What happens is the body's less resilient. So you can't, you can't recover from what I'll call insults. I know that, that a pandemic is a massive insult for people in terms of their ability to rebound. So the resiliency comes down and things that, that might not have triggered you in the past really do trigger you now, 100%, all mood disorders. Now, that's not to say that every mood disorder or every insomniac has a toxin, but you go systematically into it. So you make sure the gut's functioning, make sure the adrenals are healthy, make sure the diet's good. And if you've done all the basic stuff and you're still not getting better, then you go, okay, now I really need to look at toxins. Um, and I, I would probably refrain from talking about testing here because that would probably be need to um, have someone experienced look at. So we'll, we maybe we can just mention it in passing as to what are some of the general testing that someone would need to look at once um, yeah. they've done all the basic work and it's still... However, I must also ask you this in this context because you mentioned that if we've done the basic work like working on our gut, but a lot of times... In the functional world itself, there is something which is, at least I've noticed this a lot in certain circles where uh, the patients are pushed into these heavier paths right at the beginning where patients are first brought to chelation therapy. And um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think quick chelation therapy is fantastic if it's done with a trained provider. And it's not the first thing that I go for because I always say to people, they're like, I came to you because you wrote this book. And I'm like, that's great. And it's amazing and meaningful. And yet you need to, I call it work on the foundations. So you need your gut to be functioning properly. You need your minerals and nutrients to be replaced and repleted. You need your adrenals to be functioning. Otherwise, you take a system that's out of balance and you make it worse. So I don't personally usually go, unless someone's toxic, truly toxic, their levels. And when I'm talking about that, so chelation is specifically for heavy metals. And usually the ones we're looking at are uh, cadmium and lead and mercury. So if someone's toxic with those, sure, we're going to treat that. If someone's toxic with mycotoxins, which are the toxins that mold strains put out, then we're going to deal with that because sometimes the system is just so overwhelmed with the insult that it's had. It can't, it can't see anything else. So of course you have to deal with that, but those are usually pretty, pretty limited. Someone says, okay, you know, someone says, oh, I, I had a clear mold exposure and I lived in the house or I self deconstructed my house that was built in the, any time before 1976 in the United States that they clearly got a, mold, a lead exposure. If you can clearly pinpoint it, then yes, we will go for that. But I wouldn't start with chelation first if someone's 
has other issues to address. Great. Um, and Dr. T, what have you typically noticed with your patients when it comes to the ones you've seen who've turned out to be very highly toxic and you needed to go down these more challenging routes? What have you typically noticed in terms of their sleep? Are they not able to fall asleep? Are they having disturbed sleep? Are they not waking up refreshed? Or is it all of it? all of the above, right? So, so if you have one issue, you can have a lot of different ways that it manifests. And don't forget when you layer on the hormone puzzle that, that where a woman is in her menstrual cycle or life also impacts what's happening with her sleep. And then, and again, because the hormones are treated like toxins and excreted through the liver, if the liver is challenged, then that's going to make it worse. So, and if a woman's perimenopausal, that's, I call it cru cruel and unusual punishment because it just throws everything into stark yes. relief. So hundred percent, you can have difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, not waking up refreshed or waking consistently. Typically people will say, I wake up between two and four in the morning, which is the liver slash adrenal time. And so that's another pretty clear thing that we see with people is all these disturbances and the different patterns of sleep, 100%. Let's go into um, what do we actually start to do if someone is really toxic, like I was at one point in time. Can we walk through what are the gentle stages through which we move? And of course, I, we obviously cannot go into in-depth details and people can get their hands on your book. And I also want to get my hands on your book to read through this pretty soon. But let's just take a journey through a woman's um, gentle transition from being a dirty girl to be to being a dirty girl in a better way. <laughs> dirty girl in recovery. Yeah. <laughs> so I really feel strongly that the most impactful and meaningful thing someone can do for their health is to transform the food they're eating. So the, and, and, and here's the thing, Deepa, the most, it's, it's not, the goal is not perfection, right? We all want to be perfect, but that's not the goal. The goal is do better this week than you did last week. And if you're going to have what I'll call dietary excursions or, or eating, you know, eating, eating excursions, then you're going to want to make sure you plan in a time to get back on your plan. So a lot of us will say, oh, I'm on a diet and I can have these foods. And if I eat them, then I'm bad and I'm wrong. And I cheated, which really burns my butt because you're not bad. You're not wrong. You're doing your best. And really there shouldn't be any diets. It's something that you can maintain for a long period of time. So sustainable. So yes. an eating program that minimizes processed carbs, and this is never the popular part, right? Minimizes sugar, minimizes alcohol and has foods that look like themselves because processed foods can be very inflammatory and can mess with people's sleep on top of all the other things we're talking about. So the most impactful thing someone can do is eat amazing food that looks like itself, that was minimally processed, and you can identify it. You know, that's, that's the step one. And then, and I must stop you, Dr. T, for a second because alcohol is a very key point, and uh, I have a whole episode coming out on alcohol and sleep. But um, 
Recently, there was a man who had, uh, he was having alcohol every night and then he was also having symptoms like hot flashes and anxiety and uh, and sometimes you mentioned that people shouldn't feel guilty when they can't do it all. But then there's the other scenario as well, where people can be in absolute denial and uh, find all the articles on the internet, which give them validation for why they can continue to eat the way they are. And sometimes that's not always the case. And um, there's a beautiful saying in Ayurveda about cause and effect where it's not a punishment but when it comes to food and lifestyle it gives the power back into your hands but you do need to recognize what are some of the contributors that you are doing which are contributing to the disease state and you must take a responsibility for that and you have it in you to remove them gently so that you can give your body the opportunity to heal so there's that perspective as well I'm sorry I cut you off but it was a very no, valid good. point yeah there's getting food is huge and I and my patients will say to me do I have to do this I love that question do I have to do this no you don't have to do anything. I'm not here judging and evaluating. I'm just sort of providing the pick list of here are the valuable behaviors that will make a difference and you don't have to do any of it. And I always say to them, you have to think about your philosophy, right? So if you think that you want to wait until things get what I'll call bad enough. I had a, I had a friend, an acquaintance who said to me, whose son was really sick. And she said, I, I hope she said, I, I think he has an allergy to a certain food, but I'm not going to make a change unless he's truly allergic. I was like, well, he's not pooping. I think that's like a problem. She goes, no, I know. But unless he has an autoimmune disease called celiac, I'm not going to make any changes. And I was like, I don't agree with that at all, but okay. I can't walk a mile in her shoes. And he ended up having celiac and got significantly better. So you have to think about, is your philosophy to wait until something is bad enough before you make a change? Or are you someone who the minute you see something off, you want to fix it? I would say 80-20 rule. 80% 80 of people are going to wait until it gets bad enough. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to recognize that's where you are. And then 10 to 20% of people are people who recognize that there's some kind of imbalance and they don't want it to get worse. It's, it's already bad enough just recognizing it. So they want to change their trajectory. So back to that man who is drinking a lot. If it's not bad enough, most people won't want to change their ways. And it's okay. It's not bad enough yet. You know, they're not ready. They're basically not ready. That's what they're saying. Right. And you can only be ready when you're ready. You that can't force true. it. That is true. So we did walk through that first baby step. What next? So if someone has done the work with cleaning up their diet to the extent of just removing the processed food, eating more yeah. whole foods, the alcohol, the sugar. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I was uh, pleasantly surprised that you didn't mention gluten like all the other functional doctors. So can we speak a little bit about gluten from your perspective? Yes. So funny. I'm preparing a presentation for a little later in this year. And I was pulling up a slide on what happens in the gut when you eat gluten. And so uh, there are groups of people who do not have a reaction to gluten. Okay. And that's, that's fine. The, the downside to gluten is that 99% of the time when you're eating it in its, in its, it is in a processed form. 
And it's the processing part that I have a problem with, not the innate gluten. So if you say to me, I have whole barley in a stew, I go, okay, if you're not reactive, it's really not a problem. But if you say to me, I have, you know, this really cool barley candy, which now you've processed, you've added sugar to, you've added preservatives to, I have a problem with that. So when you, if you don't have a problem with gluten, when you eat it, you open up the tight junctions in your gut. And I'll come back to that in a second. You open them up for about 15 minutes and that allows all of the bacteria and mycotoxins and other toxins and food particles to come through the lining of the gut into your bloodstream where your bloodstream goes, I don't know, I don't know what this is. And then you mount an immune response. That right there is an inflammatory event. However, if you're someone who's sensitive genetically to gluten, meaning you have one or both of the DQ2 or DQ8 genes, then what happens when you eat gluten is you open those tight junctions for four hours. And so when you get into what's called the standard American diet, which is cereal for breakfast or a bagel, sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner, if, you, if you're sensitive to gluten and then you've layered on your eating gluten three times a day and it's in a processed form, you've now opened up the lining, your insides to the outer world for 12 hours in the day. And that's impactful for a lot of people. So gluten in and of itself has the potential to have a problem and then we process it, which is another problem. But it, just like sugar, there are people who can eat it in moderation. And so it's not the I love, antichrist. I love the I love the perspective, Dr. D, because that's my perspective where I definitely feel the impact if I eat sticky bread and it's been uh, maybe a couple of days old and then I feel the impact. I can't poop anymore and that impacts everything else. And um, however, as you clearly mentioned, I do the same thing. If I'm eating whole barley in a soup or with a gravy, then I have have no reaction at all and yeah. it all goes back to the digestibility of the gluten we can't just club it together as gluten and I mean that could be the case with any grain it could be easily digestible right. in its whole form or highly difficult to digest in a processed form I love that perspective uh, yeah. let's talk about a little bit about what are the kind of testing that one does is it heavy metal testing or is it just general liver looking at the liver looking at minerals what are the kind of testing for toxicity so if we've gotten to toxicity in our office, it's because we've done what I'll call the foundational evaluation. We've looked at your food sensitivities. We've looked at your endocrine system, including your thyroid function, your adrenals, your cortisol. We've looked at your gut function. We've looked at your minerals, your nutrients, your antioxidants. We've really done the basics to make sure that your body is optimized. And then the toxins eval specifically, we use the uh, testing for mycotoxins is a urine test. And that's done after taking glutathione for a week because it supports mobilizing the, the mycotoxins. And what's really nice is that test can also do the environmental toxins and the glyphosate levels. So you do it all in one, it's a three in one, it's kind of pricey, but you get all the data at once. So you know what you're working with. And then the heavy metals is also urine. We do a baseline test just to make sure that we're not looking at someone who has ongoing major exposures to something that we might miss because if the baseline test is positive, 
that's quite worrisome. And we go, okay, there's some really massive exposure going on that we need to sleuth out. But assuming that that's not the case, then you do a provoked test where you take something called DMSA that specifically binds to heavy metals and pulls them out. And you collect the urine for another six hours, and that's a timed provoked test. And we're really looking for the cadmium, the, the lead and the mercury. So we do those tests. We can also do a test to look and see whether the mercury fillings are making a difference. That's a, a blood spot test. Usually I don't do that test because if I'm looking at toxins, it starts to add up, you know, the prices. And so that's another couple hundred dollars on top of what I, and I'm, even if they do that, I'm going to say, well, I still need the information about the lead and the cadmium and, and the thallium and the arsenic. So do the other test too. So I don't do that as often, but we do have it in our, in our stable for sort of those times when we're not sure. And what happens if someone does show up as toxic and um, quite high in toxicity and that's, I mean, and they've done all of this, they've even supplemented and brought their, yeah. um, you know, nutrients back to a state of sufficiency and this is the missing piece. So what, what are your go-to? Is it more gentle forms of detoxification on a daily basis at home? Is it... Uh, something which is involving chelation, what, what is the guideline? So I think the first thing you have to think about is think of, think of the body as, a, as like a rain barrel and the rain barrel collects things, usually water. But in our case, we're collecting anything that is thrown at us. So don't fill the rain barrel up with toxins. When you get the testing, you know, for example, I did the environmental toxins testing and my levels of the metabolite for gasoline additives was really high. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> I think it's time to stop pumping my own gas because that's a clear exposure that I'm having that there's no reason to have. So things, and unfortunately I came up as really high on some of the nail polish derivatives. So there went that, right? It was like, okay, it's not worth it. So First, don't fill up the rain barrel with toxins. And, and, and it involves sometimes some sleuthing, like where are you being exposed? What are the things that are going on? You know, I said to someone, did you move into a new house? Did you just get a new mattress? Like what's, and she goes, oh, I just got a new mattress. I was like, okay, then we have a source for why your flame retardants are so high. You know, we really had a clear exposure. And so starting to pull off the exposures is very valuable for people because first don't fill up the rain barrel. And then after you're no longer filling it, then you start to pull it off. So I stop you for a second, Dr. Sure. T, because you, um, on the perspective that you did mention, we may not need to test everybody because tests are expensive. Is there mm -hmm. a general, uh, do you suggest, you mentioned so many things and I'm just wondering, does it make sense for people to generally try and do a cleanup, I call it an environment audit of themselves and uh, just pull out some of the highly toxic products before, yeah. rather than going down the route of testing. I mean, by just following some of these guidelines mm -hmm. that you suggested, if someone were using nail polish every week and uh, maybe they're clearly very, very toxic and messed up with hormones, then removing that for a while while they're doing some of this work, that mm -hmm. might also be a great route um, 
I just don't want people to think that without testing, they don't know. No, you don't have to. T- so there's certain things you have to test. You have to test the mycotoxins. You have to test the metals because there's no way that I'm going to chelate you without having good data. And, and because there's so many different mycotoxins, there's so many different treatments, you don't want to take them all if you don't have to, right? So those you really need to test. But you're so right, Deepa, because what you could do is start with, and, and we'll, we'll have a detox guide for, for your listeners so that they can, they can start cleaning things up. But what you want to do is start to, how do I language this? Start to look through, have I leveled up to the very best of my ability on the food I'm eating, the beauty products I'm using, the cleaning products I have in my house. I can't tell you how many people have landscapers come who spray glyphosate on their yard. And so when they come back with high glyphosate levels, I'm like, do you have a landscaper? And, and 95% of the time, the answer is yes. Or, or the spouse, they say, my husband loves his green lawn. I'm like, well, you got to ask him if he loves his wife or his green lawn better. So the, absolutely, you don't have to test for these things to start cleaning it up because it can be pricey. So the, the, the things you really need to do are the mycotoxins and the metals, but otherwise, no, you can a hundred percent start to just level up and level up and level up across your life. No problem. Easy, actually. That makes sense. Um, so what, what about, um, actually detoxifying ourselves? Yeah. So when, when you've stopped filling the rain barrel, now you look at, first off, what are you treating? So if you're treating the mycotoxins and you're not being exposed to them, then what you're doing is binders because they love to sit in our tissues and our, and our skin and it sits throughout our body. And so you'd get the binders to pull them out and bind them and you, you pee them out. It's pretty easy. It takes a really long time. You know, it's so funny. The testing will say test after three to six months of treatment, but you know what? It takes a long time. So it's, it's more like I said to someone, it's more like a stroll in the park than a marathon of 28 miles. Even though you're going to end up doing the 28 miles, you're going to go slowly into it. Don't expose and do your best to get rid of it slowly. Cause it, it gets, you can get fatigue when you're looking at the metals, the ways to treat. You can absolutely do oral treatments at home. I mean, look, there's things you can do in your own life that are not going to harm you. You can eat parsley. You can eat cilantro. You can, there's a whole ton of foods that can improve phase two in the liver. Um, It's sometimes a little more challenging for vegans because they're not getting the necessary proteins to improve phase two in livers, but there's ways to improve that. So there's tons of foods that can improve phase two in the liver, which is where we start to detox. And then we want to improve the liver's function. So things like glutathione and vitamin C and liposomal form. Uh, There's binders that we use and we use home EDTA. And then you can go to IV chelation therapy and some people wind up there, but you don't have to, you can do just oral if you really need to. That's beautiful, Dr. T. And I think a lot of gentle, um, generous information from you. And um, is there anything that you missed sharing in, um, or anything specific that you'd like to share before we get to the end of the show in terms of women's hormones, sleep, and how maybe some way that they could begin to support themselves in improving detoxification? 
Yeah, it's funny. We haven't talked at all about stress and stress will. So think of detox like a higher order behavior. Detox is a thriving behavior. You do it when the system is feels safe. So if the body is super stressed, not being fed properly, not being moved properly, those are going to inhibit the body from doing detox. So I always say to people, before we can get to detox, we got to make sure that you are not being a stress ball, exercising regularly, uh, fixing the things in your life that you can fix and working on ways to come to peace with the things that you can't you know, anything that you're a really bad situation you're stuck with. And so it's super important to deal with stress because the adrenals will shut down detox because the adrenals run the liver. So if you're in fight, flight, or freeze, you're not going to detox. You're just going to survive. And that will mess up your hormones, your sleep, your detox. And it all, it all sort of becomes this, I say to people, it's like a soup where all the ingredients have been blended together. You can't identify anything at that point until you start to peel things away. And I think also, Dr. T, you mentioned stress and we need to remove this. And there's another aspect of this as well is that when a woman is highly toxic and her hormones are messed up and liver's not working, she herself is behaving in a way which probably isn't her true personality, sometimes right. more angry, sometimes more, uh, you know, just more toxic. Um, And I think that's a great indicator as well, because sometimes I tell a lot of people that when I find myself getting more irritable and more angry and lashing out at the world, being judgmental, these are all signs to me that I need to focus on my liver and I need to do something about my hormones. So uh, there's that as well. And um, we have a mantra on the show for our guests to complete. So I want you to complete that for us as well. If sleep is the new medicine, then how would uh, Dr. T complete that sentence for us? If sleep is the new medicine, then, well, A, prioritize it and B, make sure that there's nothing impeding the ability to get a good night's sleep. Lovely, Dr. T. Where can people find you? Where can they get their hands on the book and uh, your guide for detoxification? Sure. We are, Our practice is fivejourneys.com and five is spelled out. And then my Instagram is Wendy Trubo, MD. And our, the book is on Amazon. So if you type in Dirty Girl, you're not going to find the book. You need to type in Dirty Girl Trubo or Dirty Girl Detox. And that'll get you to the book. And then for the guide, we've, we spent just as a disclaimer, we spent a lot of hours doing the work so that the listeners don't have to, because we know how hard it can be to when you say, oh, I need to clean up my life. It looks like a 10 mile high mountain. And so we've put called out our favorite things to help guide you as you start this journey. So the way to get to that is fivejourneys.com forward slash promo, P-R-O-M-O, and you just put your email in and that'll get you the book. So that'll, I'm sorry, the the free guide to detoxing your life. Lovely. I'm going to grab that right away as soon as we finish recording our conversation. And um, does the book have some recipes or anything which helps us with detoxification? Because you mentioned parsley and coriander, and I was just wondering 
Uh, okay, so what's the best way to actually use them for detoxification? It's not in the book. We actually have on our website, we have the cookbook, which is a companion guide. So there's, it's about a hundred page guide to detoxing and it's all foods that improve the liver and improve phase two. So that's also on the website. It's not in the book because uh, we were limited to how many pages the book could have. And by the time we put in all the things to do to clean up your life, we didn't have room for recipes. All right. That sounds great. So it was lovely having you, Dr. T. And um, any, you. if you have any final words to share for us, please do so. Yeah, I would say don't give up. There's always a reason and it's fixable. Keep sleuthing until you find it. Lovely. Thank you for your time. It was great conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.